The following podcast is a production of Hardly Awesome Studios in association with the network. Find us at BICBP-radio.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Silence Your Phones. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Chavez, joined by your other host, Sean Fritz. Back, barely awake, but he's making it. Back from the, the depths of hell, also known as a 24-hour round trip of nonstop flights. I feel like I feel like how Ric Flair's luggage felt when he was jet-setting, <laughs> styling, and profiling in between walking that aisle. Yeah. Right, dude. Um, so I've been thinking more and more about like going down and seeing my family in Florida. I haven't seen my family since before mm, COVID to Florida, huh? That's a, that's a bold choice. Well, I mean, that's where they live. So it kind of sucks. If I want to go visit them, I got to go to Florida. Uh, You're and, right. It and does the, suck that they live in Florida. And the thing, and yeah. And the thing that, uh, the thing is, is like, I keep thinking to myself, I want to go. I miss my dad. I miss my brothers. I miss my family. I want to go see him, see some of my friends, but number one, it's Florida. But number two is it's I family. don't want to fly, dude. I do not want to fly because every single time I start thinking to myself that I can convince myself that, all right, I think I'll do it. I think I'll start looking into maybe planning a trip. I hear nothing but nightmare flight stories. Last time I was planning on doing it was toward the very beginning of the year, maybe. And that was remember when all the airports were having all these struggles, people weren't like showing up to work and they were canceling flights left and right. And when I saw that, I was like, yeah, it's not going to happen. So like literally two weeks ago, I was telling Aaron, I think I'm going to start planning a trip to go to Florida, maybe just for a quick weekend, jump down there. I don't want to have to fly, but it won't be too bad. And then you tell me about <laughs> what you were dealing with. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, you mentioned leaving Buffalo, uh, flying from Buffalo down to Florida. Yeah. Um, you, you, every time I've been in Buffalo for work, we've, we've sat in the same room, uh, depending, you know, wherever that may be, be it at your place, Anthony's place at a convention. Mm -hmm. And every time I've left Buffalo, I've never left on time ever. But here's the thing. Ever. Anytime I've traveled out of Buffalo, I've never had an issue. I, it's always on time. Yeah. I don't know why it's dependent. It depends on the day and time you're flying. Cause you, I was asking you before, like, see, like I like to fly really early the earliest the i thought you were going to say first class <laughs> well <laughs> yeah i like, to like first I thing like to, you know what yeah, i mean i like to leave early mm -hmm. I, I never leave I, I try not to i try to account for chance i never leave things for chance this is sean's rules of travel now um i'm sorry mr fritz's rules of travel um sir yes yeah, sir yes uh i always so for work i get in a day early because i don't like to get there and go right to the place because I don't check my luggage either, but if I did, or there's an issue, 
now I'm behind all already and I'm trying to play catch up. And the next, you know, even if I miss a flight, the next, the next plane, you know, it's easy to drive to the office 20 minutes away versus a couple hundred miles, catch another plane that usually doesn't leave for the next hour or two. Right. Um, but you know, I also, I like to leave early and allow enough time to get there and get settled. Plus I don't like my clothes to be wrinkled, you know, normal things. Um, but uh, at the same time, uh, I don't check my bag, but I also don't, um, uh, I'll get there early, but I don't leave early because usually I'm wanting to get home by the time work, the, the, the work trip is over, you know, and uh, I'll try not to take the last flight out, but the second to last in case I need to bump something uh, back or whatever. Yeah, dude. So, so it does, it does make me just kind of double think whether or not I want to do it, but you were telling me that at least you got a chance to, you had time, you had something that helped, you know, pass the time. Cause the worst thing being stuck in an airport is if you don't have anything to pass the time, right? You have a phone, but then your phone's dying and you have to let it charge. So now you got to sit there and just people watch. Uh, well, the best thing to do in an airport is find the free Wi-Fi. Yeah. I mean, that's, and, and most plug- of them have it now. Sit, sit, sit next to a plug or now they have the little USB ports too, where you can just plug your, your phone in that way. If you don't have the plug, the adapter and, and yeah. And, and underneath the seats or some places, some smaller airports just have like the pedestal with mm-hmm. the, you know, where everybody plugs in, you know, uh, but you got, you got a chance to, so the movie we're talking about today, you got a chance to watch while you were waiting. So it's fresh on your mind, unless it's, it's sleep deprived and it's all spotty. You're like, I don't remember what movie I watched at all. Um, I remembered it. I, I was thinking, I remembered it, but I was also doing that thing where like, I don't know if you've read uh, a book recently, not, not just in general, but um, Looks, like when you read a what book, are they? yeah, yeah. There's this magical thing that's called paper. Uh, it's made from wood, uh, but like sort of what craft is this? Yeah, exactly. Written word. I've read. Is there a backlight on it? On yes. wood? Yes. I carry a tree around with me. Um, no, the uh, like when I was younger, a, a wee lad and I would read a book that I had already watched the movie to. I'm like reading the words and I'm just thinking of the scene mm-hmm. that, you know, that was that uh, is that the pages are lifted from. And then I totally lose track. Like the words are just like words and there's just no content that's being absorbed into my brain. I'm just thinking so you of the scene. Go back. Like, yeah. So I'm while we were watching it, while we, while I was watching this movie, I was like, Hmm, this reminds me of this. Hmm. This reminds me of that. Yeah. Hmm. I can see the parallels of this and this, oh, yeah. and this, and this, and this. Yeah. We're definitely going to be able to jump into that because there's a lot, a lot in there to dive into. So yeah, let's jump right into this movie, dude. We're talking about uh 2021 action thriller Nobody. So they took maybe 20 bucks and an old watch? Mr. Madsen, did you even take a swing? No. Could have taken her, Dad. Heard you had some excitement last night. I wish they'd have picked my place, you know? Why didn't you take him out? I was just trying to keep the damage to a minimum. Yeah, how's that working out for you? You okay? Because you don't look okay. There's a long dormant piece of me that so very badly wants out. What are you still doing here, old man? I'm gonna fuck you up. 
Get to the basement. What is happening? Don't call 911. I used to be what they call an auditor. The last guy anyone wants to see at their door. Because it meant you didn't have long to live. But I left it behind to start a family. I might have, uh, overcorrected. When you left, you've abandoned a certain debt that needs repayment. And your creditor is aware of your resurrection. They came after my family. They stole my kitty cat bracelet. And you don't fucking do that! Give me the goddamn kitty cat bracelet! He looks like shit, Dad. You should see the other guys. Who the fuck are you? Me? I'm nobody. In theaters only, February 26th. So this is a Bob Odenkirk. Uh, a film that he he produced uh, stars in and um i it was an, it's a newer movie so that was the whole point to picking this because we wanted to watch something we both hadn't seen before so we can come fresh with you know how we feel about it and not be kind of influenced by by past viewings or past thoughts so let's just jump right into the plot <laughs> Google says this is what Google says, and then we're going to say decide whether or not it's enough and move on. So here we go. This is what they say: Hutch Mansell f- fails to defend himself or his family when two thieves break into his suburban home one night. The aftermath of the incident soon strikes a match to his long simmering rage. In a barrage of fists, gunfire, and squealing tires, Hutch must now save his wife and son from a dangerous adversary and ensure that he will never be underestimated again. No. That's very misleading. <laughs> that is not what this movie is. That sounds at like all. ransom. <laughs> you know, like I want my son. Yeah. Um yeah, dude, that's not what this is. That's no. okay. So this movie, so if I was going to sum it up, this movie is about a man, we are introduced to a man who lives a very kind of regimen life like every single day is the same thing get up get ready for work go to work or make breakfast go to work be at work come back go to bed you and your wife are not on good terms by the things we see visually Mm -hmm. the next day you go out you forget to bring the trash out in time you miss it you get ready you're jogging you go to it so everything is constant and that's how this movie opens is it shows us well aside from like the opening opening in, in the uh the cop interrogation room um we see mm-hmm. who this guy is is this regular life right and we get a sense that like this is just all he's got going on but that's not all he's got going on Mm-mm. well one night we see that like they say these thieves break into his house and he 
is about to call 911. He's got himself a, a, a golf club to defend himself, and they stop him from calling 911, and they threaten him, threaten his son. His son comes down to try to, to help him out, right? And Bob Odenkirk's character, uh, Hutch, has the drop. Like, he's literally behind this lady, you know, because you could tell one of these, these thieves is a lady. He's behind her with the club, and he could hit her, but he doesn't. And she points the gun at him, and he just he steps back, says, you know, take whatever you want. They grab a handful of, of just a few dollar bills that are sitting in this bowl and they they leave. By the way, what's the deal with leaving crumpled up singles? In, I mean, unless you have a certain lifestyle. My thinking uh, is, is, is it Metro maybe? Maybe to, to kind of uh, pay, the, pay his Metro card. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, maybe. But he says something along the lines of he uses his card. So like that's the only his cash debit they card. had in the house. Well, and that might be his deflection of this is all the cash we have because... Yeah. But at the same time, we'll come back to the Metro card because there's a plot hole with that Metro card, by the way. <laughs> We're going to get there. Um, <laughs> yeah. There totally is. Um, so anyway, yeah, so we get this. This happens, right? And cops are out there. They, they file a report and his son's looking at him like, Dad, you're a fucking pussy, basically. Right. He's like, you could have taken him the next day. Well, getting- also that cop. What the hell, dude? It's not that cop's looking at opinion. him like like him, too, is looking at yeah. him like. Uh, really, dude, you didn't do anything. You didn't even try to take a swing. Nothing. He's like, yeah. if it was my family. Yeah. He stopped short of saying anything else. Yeah. Uh, because the other dude stops him. Basically, he's like, no, you did the right thing. You know, you did the right thing. But now he he's we see this guy who's got the same kind of life over and over. And you could tell he's not happy. You see him. There's something kind of under the surface that's that's itching at him right because every single person the next day already knows what happened and has an opinion about him being such a weakling even the people that are dead (laughs) yeah though he goes into he goes into he goes into work right so he works at this this steel plant or or some sort of of like a fabrication plant yeah yeah steel fabrication his father-in-law's yeah, his father-in-law owns it. His his brother-in-law works there as well. And uh, that's how they know immediately because his wife said something about what happened. And so his brother-in-law, quick question. Yeah. Would he be better? Would would you have um would would it have been a better performance if his brother-in-law was played by Vince Russo? Bro, bro. <laughs> what bro. was with that? <laughs> like he he's a soldier. He saw real time. Oh God. But yeah, he, he confronts him and is just like, you need to protect my sister. And he gives him a gun, and, and well, which and, comes into play later. Yeah, but I mean, part of this is part of this is like, like you said, he's there's there's like this itch underneath the surface and he's putting on this facade that we yeah. later find out. But he is basically just downtrodden and defeated. Mm-hmm. At least that's the character that he portrays because his hands are, you know, yeah. registered weapons. But yeah. Like everyone just kind of takes advantage of him and, and just he's defeated from that for yeah. that, you know. And that's what uh, that they're all looking at him like, you know, eh, I would have done something about it. You know what I mean? Even his father-in-law was kind of his father-in-law was saying something, to him, but his father-in-law was more along the lines of like, I'm rooting for you. You know, I hope I, I hope it works hope, out for you kind of a thing. Yeah. Like more like uh, I took that as I want my daughter to be happy type thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what it was. And part of that happiness is the father-in-law is considering selling the business to Hutch. Hutch asked to, to purchase it. And so he's considering it, right? Um, we also get this, this scene uh, at some point before everything goes down where Hutch is in his basement and he's relaxing and he's got this kind of 
radio, this two way radio playing, and he's talking to somebody over over that, this. Right, that was in his office. Oh, it's his at his office. Yeah, he's talking mm-hmm. to somebody over, it, and that person, Larissa. Yeah, based based on the um the conversation you get that they know each other that and that the person on the other side is in hiding is supposed mm-hmm. to be dead to the world, um so now you know that there's something weird happening in this guy's life. He's not just an ordinary man. Um, when he goes, yeah, there's home, some secrets that people don't know about. Yeah, when he goes home, you know he's been. It's again, it's been all day, nothing but everybody coming at him with this. Heard about what happened, huh? You know, too bad, too bad you weren't a, a little tougher, kind of a thing. All day, all day Heard, long. Yeah, there's there's a subtext subtext there that is, uh, you know, everyone just kind of like, oh, yeah. oh, yeah, how about that guy? The way they look at him, everything, right? All the way to the point where, and you got to remember, this is all piling on with that whole feeling that they're giving us of this Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, every mundane thing, this kind of fracturing of his marriage where he and his wife sleep in a bed with pillows in between them, like a wall. Do you know what I mean? Um, so mm-hmm. we're seeing all of this happen. Um, and we get a sense of his son feeling like he's ashamed of his dad, uh, except yep. his daughter, his little girl is the only one that looks at him like a hero. Cause the night that this all happened before, before, you know, he went to work the next day, he ended up going down to the basement and she came down with him. And there was this little moment where he says, you know, something about her, maybe not feeling safe. And she's like, why would I not feel safe? You're here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so you get this sweet moment with them. So anyway, he comes home after all of that piled on him and his daughter's just like, Hey, daddy, anybody seen my little kitty cat bracelet? And he's looking around and he's like, well, where'd you have it last? And she goes over to the bowl where all the crumbled bills were. And she goes, it was in here. And that's when you see this little switch on, on Odenkirk. And so Hutch, the way he plays this dude, he's standing there, right? He's again, he's this whatever dude. And then as soon as it's like, oh, the bracelet, boom, his demeanor changes. And he's the money doesn't matter. It's yeah. it's the impact on the family. Yeah. Um, actually, you know what? Right before that happens, let's let's rewind slightly. We also know that he has a father in a in a in a nursing home, and he goes to visit his father before he goes home for dinner that night. Goes to visit his father, uh, and they're talking a little bit about you know, you know, just how he's doing and this and that. Um, and his dad says to him, you know, like, what's wrong with you? Like, I can tell there's something wrong with you. You're not, you're not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can tell again, Hutch got that look on his face because again, you know, he feels defeated. At least that's what we're led to believe. Mm-hmm. Then the whole thing happens with his daughter. So now he's like, fuck it. He heads back to his dad's house to the, or to the funeral or, or the funeral home. Jesus might as well be <laughs> to the nursing home. And gets his dad's sleep and he gets into uh, this closet and starts like pulling out stuff, pulls out a, a box with an FBI badge. And you could see it was his father. His father was an FBI agent, pulls out a revolver, some some bullets, uh, gets this old jacket that he used to have. And then remember when Nicolas Cage did this and gone in 60 seconds? Yep. All, the only thing he didn't say was, I am a bad man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it comes up. He, he is, dude, because he, he heads out. Now he's on his way, right? And we see him taking a bus and he's driving all over town, stopping at all different tattoo shops because when he was being no robbed, car, by the way, yeah, no car. Like Mr. Ed, it's basically Ed Begley Jr. here driving. <laughs> you know, Ed Begley Jr. is very big on public transit and, you know, saving the environment and such. Um, 
when they were being robbed, he saw that, you know, the lady that was holding the gun had a tattoo on her wrist. So he's been kind of fixated on that design and he was scribbling it. So he brings it around to all these tattoo shops looking for it until he comes across one where these guys are just like, yeah, you're in the wrong part of town, buddy. You're mm-hmm. in the wrong part of town for flashing that kind of money because he pulls out some money. He's like, I just need information. Some. He pulls out a lot of cash, dude. And dude's like, are you crazy? He goes, what are you doing, Flash? And you're in the wrong place. And he goes, there's only three kinds of people that would do that. One who doesn't, people who don't know any better. Somebody who wants you to think they don't know any better. And somebody that wants you to try to take it or something like that. And I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, shit. And when he's holding his cash, you can see there's this tattoo that's kind of showing from his sleeve. And there's this old timer vet that's kind of sitting on the stool and sees that. And he's like, oh, fuck. He looks at the dude. He's like. Thank you for your service. Gets up, mm-hmm. <laughs> walks out, closes this door, and then you hear like 19 locks on the other side just start what? latching. Yeah. Like what what is like that's honestly that's looks, like more than moon night. Like then he Stephen looks in Grant the window, stuff. dude, and he slides that shit closed. So like was he locking him in with them? Like I don't know. Like yeah, he, was, was, he was locking himself out. He was locking himself away so Odenkirk wouldn't get to him. <laughs> Well, yeah, but was he locked like that was the door that he came in, wasn't it? Or was no, it like that was like a, it was like a back closet area or oh, something. Dude. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was off to the side. Got it. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> like, OK, fantasy casting Sam Elliott or that guy. <laughs> Even if it's just a short one line cameo, it was pretty. Yes. Elliot would have been great, dude. Thank um, you for your service, Miho. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, but he's just like, listen, I just want to know who has this tattoo. And he points to this picture that the dude has, the, the artist has on, on the counter. And it's obviously the, the same tattoo. Mm-hmm. So now he's got it. And then we cut to the apartment where this woman, this Hispanic woman and her husband are in there and she's making dinner. She's like, oh, yeah, come on time for dinner. They're sitting there and you know, they're, you could tell that they love each other. They have a, mm-hmm. they're struggling little family and boom, there's Odin Kirk. He's already in there, dude. The way he just like, like right off the wall out of the shadows, like, well, damn, dude. Yeah. Like, I backed I was, it up. I'm like, that was awesome. Cinematography. There was a lot in this movie. That was awesome. I love the cinema. We'll, we're going to get to it later. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So basically he, you know, he confronts them and, and holds the gun on him. Is just like, where's, you know, where's the, where's this thing? And, this dude is like, I don't know. I don't know where it is. And he doesn't believe him. He's like, and you could tell he's done. He's already flipped the switch. So he's about to pull the trigger on him. And then all of a sudden from down the hall, we hear a baby crying. Yep. And, and he's like, what the yeah. fuck? He goes down there and there's this little baby in a crib screaming and crying. You could tell it doesn't look like maybe it looks sick or something with an improperly sized oxygen mask on its face. And so he's like, what the fuck? So then he looks over at them and they're just like, please don't hurt us. You know, don't hurt the baby. And he's just like, fuck. And he leaves. Boom. And he's pissed off because he wanted to finally let that loose again. And now he can't. Mm-hmm. He's fucking pissed. So well, he jumps. <laughs> yeah. Well, lucky for him. Yeah. He jumps on the bus and he's heading back. Uh, heading By the home. way, this this all takes place in Ohio. Ohio. Yeah. You didn't see the license like, plates. I thought it was New York City. No, the license plates were white with blue letters. And a a yeah, um, yeah like the a red, sh- the like red a Chevron that came at like a like a ten degree angle to a point in the center. Yeah. I, I've been to Ohio more than a few times. Yeah, I know. I know a lot of play. We get a lot of Ohio over here. A lot of plates over here. Yeah, there's a lot of businesses that kind of snake through that eerie. Yeah, the rust like belt. eerie. Is that what that's called? The rust belt. Yeah, this is the rust yeah. belt up here, dude. Um, but yeah, so so now he's on this bus and he's heading home and he's aggravated and 
while the bus is going down, we see like we cut to on the street, this crazy SUV that's just flying around a corner and just slams into this. Was it was it a Range Rover or a, a Hummer? Three. I thought it was a range. It looked like a Range Rover. Yeah. I think if it was a Hummer three or even worse, a Hummer two pickup, <laughs> it would have been, they would have, ext- they would have oozed even more douchiness. So I'm, <laughs> but it's I'm, such what a- I'm saying, Chris, what I'm saying is I'm available for, for um, punch-ups on the script. It was just such a weird scene for me when this happened. I was Hollywood. like, I was like, huh? Because I thought they were being chased. I thought he was being chased by the people from the tattoo parlor at first. I think that's what they wanted to set it up as. They wanted to invoke that thought, which it worked. Yeah, That's what I thought initially. But then when I found out it wasn't, I was like, well, that was a weird way to introduce these guys into the story. Or it was the other ring of the, you know, members of the of the theft ring, uh, even though they didn't set that up. Yeah. See, the, I didn't, I didn't couple. That's what I thought initially, but then I was like, maybe like, I don't, I didn't get it. So, but it's fine. You know, these guys all pour out of this, this Range Rover. You can tell it, they're it, completely it, drunk. It's a very harsh way of changing from one yeah. set of circumstances to another and completely dropping that, that entire thread. Yeah. I mean, partly because the adrenaline that kicks in from the next, what? 55 minutes or so because you could easily made it that the bus was on a street like maybe where the club was right and their cars broke down they're trying to start the car and they're drunk and they're pissed off and and then the bus is there and so they're like let's just go and they go to try to take the bus as assholes you know i think it's it's to show that money doesn't matter and you know the law be damned and you know circumstances be damned as well if they just try to overtake the bus then they're more or less terrorists as yep. opposed to just opportunists and, that and opportunists that just take over whatever they want obnoxious as well because they mm-hmm. get on the bus and they're they're russians you can hear from the accents um drunk they're they're already intimidating people on the bus this one dude's trying to pick up a magazine and the dude steps on it and then stares him in the face well he so slaps out of his hand first and he's like oh yeah and he's a huge dude too he's a big guy and so he's yeah. looking at the he he looks at this girl that's sitting across from him, this big guy. Then he looks at the back of the bus to Bob Odenkirk. And this is all who's on the bus to back him up. So he's like, whatever. And he leaves. Mm-hmm. And now these guys are all just kind of hanging around this girl and acting like assholes. And Odenkirk's like, oh, okay, I see what this is. But you could see there's this little kind of glimmer, this kind of glee that kind of goes on, this kind of like, yes, mm-hmm. now I can now I can unleash what I've been dying to unleash for a while. Um, yeah. the bus driver screaming at them, telling them they need to get off the bus and she's ca- getting her phone to call the cops and Odenkirk gets up and walks over to her and just kind of pushes past all these guys and takes her phone, puts it on the dash and walks her out mm-hmm. <laughs> and closes the doors and turns around. They're looking all at them and they're like, what the f- who does this guy think he is? Right. Better casting Margaret show <laughs> for the bus driver. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I love this moment, right? He he holds his gun up, he he pulls he he pulls the barrel out or whatever it is, and lets all the all the, the, the cylinder, yeah, lets well, all the bullets drop. That's smart too, because what if they get a hold of his gun and it's still loaded? Yeah, and he's just like, what does he say though? They, they say something like, "What do you think you're gonna do? What are you gonna do? You know, whatever." And he's just like, "Who do you think you are? I'm gonna fuck you up." Yeah, it's basically what he says, and. He goes at them. And at first I was like, all right, we're going to get like, like legit. This is going to be like the daredevil scene. You know what I mean? That whole mm-hmm. one shot daredevil scene. And he gets a couple of good hits in and then he starts getting his ass beat. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, by the way, way off topic. 
topic adjacent. Let's yeah. just say that. Uh, the renew. Disney's doing a new Daredevil Saw series. It. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyways, that. back to the show. Um, but he starts getting his ass whooped a little. And I was like, oh, okay. But I like that because it showed us that he's rusty. That he's, mm-hmm. but then, but it also keeps... that there's five on one. Also, we saw this similar scene in uh, Shang Chi. Yes, yes, dude. I was gonna say the same thing. It reminded me of the Shang Chi scene. But what great choreography here! There's a, so he ends up taking these guys on, and sure, there's some rust, but he's getting better and better and better. And then you think, oh, okay, he's gonna get the upper hand, and then they they throw him out the bus, mm-hmm. and you're like, through oh. the bus, <laughs> right? <laughs> So then he gets up, he makes his way back onto the bus again. And he's like, let's do this. And he keeps going, dude. And and, and it's insane. Like some of the stuff that, that, that it was happening. Like this is a scene where he puts the knife into the dude's like thigh and then mm-hmm. kicks it through. Oh mm-hmm. my God. It was insane. Yeah. This, this scene here was more, this is where I was. I, I saw I, when I'm watching this scene, um, you know, it was more, okay, this is like a realistic take on John Wick, you know? How convenient, he, the same yeah. writer. <laughs> oh, is it really? Yeah, the guy uh, who wrote the John Wick trilogy also wrote this. Oh, okay, well, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but it, it's more realistic. I mean, you know, when you see Keanu Reeves, you're, you're like, okay, this guy's invincible because we've seen him as Neo. We've seen him right. as the guy who thwarts the Dennis Hopper on, on the bus right. and on the speedboat. Yeah, he was in that one too, right? Um, yeah. The second one, yeah. Sandra Bullock was like, no, nah, I'm good. Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> but it, you know, it was, it, it was more realistic uh, version of that. That's when I'm like, all right, this has got some John wick uh, tones yeah. of John wick in it. Uh, but yeah, it was more realistic. It was also, I'm going to use whatever I have available to me. Like when he cut the seatbelt. Yeah. Um, I mean, even before that, like in the previous scene, when he went to the couple and he just, he pissed whipped that guy in a, with using the gun, like it was brass knuckles instead yeah. of, you know, instead of like hitting somebody with the butt of the gun or the, yeah. or the pistol and like he just clocks him with it, like right in the cheek. So it's it's he's very and, and we see later he's very real world with he's very MacGyver with what's uh, what's around. You know, yeah, what's, what's around him. Exactly. Then and, and it comes into play here when one of the guys grabs his gun and is trying to load it and he kind of looks over and there's this broken piece of the bar from the seating. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And he just kind of yeah, rips it out, real. goes over to this dude and bashes the shit out of him. And, and collapses his, his windpipe. Yeah. And now this dude's and laying it, there dying. Even more of a badass move gives him a tracheotomy. I know, dude. When that happened, I'm like, <laughs> With did a he really just straw. do that? But what we are seeing is that this guy has those kinds of skills. The fact that he knew this guy's going to die unless I gave him that tracheotomy and do it that way. Like, he's got those kinds of skills, which is insane. And I don't um, think he wants to kill them as much as he just wants to stop them from doing whatever it is that they're going to do. Right. So there we are. Now we see what he can do and he goes home and his wife's there and she's just like, Oh shit. And what happened to you. Yeah. As she's patching him up, she he's makes some comment of like, like the good old days. So it kind of insinuates that she knows that he's been like this before. Like there have been these things where she's had to see him come home this way, whether or not she knows what he did. I think that there was this kind of this kind of thing where that, you know, she, she kind of had some sort of idea. She she know well, and, and through further exposition in the movie, we find out that. But it's somewhat contradictory, but, yeah. you know, it, it's a little vague that, you know, they met when he was on a job in Italy. Yeah. And <clears throat> excuse me. And that. uh that she is, uh, he, he puts it uh, blind for the last time. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's, so yeah, he says, trust me. So blind trust, like, trust me blind for the last time. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it's that she, he, he doesn't tell her the details, but she knows that he's got some wicked karate chops. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Hey, she yeah. probably was aware that he worked for, you know, some sort of military or did something. Um, I mean, cause they knew that he was in the military cause it's his son at some point was saying he's got to do a report and does he mind doing an interview with them? Uh, and they're like, why don't you talk to your uncle? He actually served and had some sort of action. And he actually, well, he was, was, he was a, he real, was a real soldier. soldier and his dad saw his, I guess grandpa, he saw, he actually saw some action. Yeah. He's like, see, he's, you could talk to grandpa too, because he's like, I was just an auditor. Right. Which I love. Cause that comes up later. Mm-hmm. Um, so while he's getting patched up, we also, he also gets this kind of back and forth with his wife saying, you know, I miss us. I know I've been distant. I know things have been weird. And it's, again, we find out why later, but he's saying, I want to kind of go back to what we used to be. And so you, you also see that this guy's struggling with his, his life being this kind of mundane and how it's creating him. You know what I mean? Well, and I think also you're, he's struggling with his life being, like you said, mundane, because it used to be so different. Like yeah. The complete, basically his life is currently a midterm election result because it was one thing <laughs> and it swings wholly the other way. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, we go back, we, we get introduced now to a whole other side of this world. Now there's this club with the Russians. There's a whole bunch of Russians there. And there's this dude that's kind of making his way through the club dancing and, um, and singing. No, he, he, okay. We see enter, how his, enter this character. He's like, and, damn and it. You missed the club. If yeah. Yeah. And then just turn, basically <laughs> it's like a drunk teen driving at senior week, just hops the curb, complete disregard for everything. Doesn't even look when he crosses the street. Yep. Again, this is when I figured out this was in Ohio. <laughs> I'm like, what Russian syndicate is in Ohio? That's what I'm saying. They're... That's why I thought I was New York the whole time, dude. Um, no, but uh, you know, and the and then I mean, he gets like it's it's a tracking shot, which is I thought was really well. I was like, yeah, I'm looking for I the love seams. Them. I love I, I love tracking shots, dude. I was looking for the seams, and I don't think there was no, one until no. they went. He went through the curtain after yeah. this, but he gets on stage. I mean, he does a shot. He, he does like uh, like a like a little pocket of coke off of his off of his thumb, yep. And then he gets like side stage where people can see him, yep. And then he gets right on stage and does like some <laughs> like some like um, I can't even think of what the the type is. It's not burlesque, but it's like some uh, uh, some anyway. song and dance. Yeah, and, and I mean he's pretty Russian. Pretty good. And it's Russian, and it's very catchy. By the way, I was like. Yeah. Uh, I don't want this in my YouTube or Google search results right now, but that was, <laughs> that was kind of a catchy song uh, or at least the tone and the beat and like yeah, not knowing yeah. the words, I guess, romanticizes the, the song yeah, a little bit yeah, more yeah. for, for those of us that are, uh, as I like to call myself as honky as can be. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, the, so I was like, Oh, this is great. This guy's cool. And then I thought I had a thought, what if this guy was Dolph Lundgren instead? And then I'm <laughs> then doing my research. No, his name is Aleski. Yeah, more, straight up more Russian. Russian. Yeah, more Russian than Russian. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, like this guy was like, I'm in on this guy. He comes off the stage right after getting a, a, an ovation from singing and mm-hmm. makes his way to like this little uh, elevated area, almost like a, a balcony area. And he goes to the gorilla position. What are you talking about? There's all of these suits up there. Right. And one big gorilla of a guy, dude, this monster. And he looks at him and he's, he's walking by 
kind of like mean gives them this eye and they look at each other and you're like what the I, I would still be here? more scared i would still be more scared of exhibit mean mug me than this guy <laughs> um so th- while he's up there he starts interacting with people and we get the uh, so we get the idea that there you know this is russian mob and that this guy is the head basically he runs the bank that Russian mobs use to keep all their money, all the different gangs use. So all he of is. these gangsters, the, all their money is in this bank and he's the dude running it just for like the next week. After that, it goes to somebody else who's going to be running it. But right now he's still kind of running it for the last couple of days. And I, uh, I didn't get that. It was just a weekly thing. I got that. It was that he wanted out, but he was in charge of it. Quote for now. He was the inheritor of this too. Yeah. And I think it was because the one dude, he says to him, he says something along the lines of, you know, how much longer till so-and-so or whatever. He said two days. He goes like, it's an eternity. You know what I mean? He had two more days. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Basically this guy is the, the, the interim Le Chiffre. (laughs) Yes, exactly. He really is dude. Um, And so one of the, I love this scene too, which was crazy because you see this guy come in and, Sure, he's kind of crazy at the beginning when he's walking across the street without even looking. You could tell he's guy, he's kind of full of himself that he expects the world to open the doors for him. You see him party, you see him dancing. And this one dude makes this comment like, you know, the fact that you're kind of dancing around and drinking and singing and like doing this because they got you know, us drinking and smoking. Yeah, it makes us, it makes some, some, it makes some of us wonder whether or not like you take this seriously, your role, right? And this is where I thought it was brilliant because it really showed us that this guy is cold-blooded. He breaks a wine glass so that the stem is still still kind of jagged, right? Sticking through his hand, walks up to the big gorilla dude and then just starts bashing the crap out of his face with it, raking it down, slicing his face open, puts the guy on his knees and then literally just slices his neck and kills him right there. And he goes, mm-hmm. how about that? Is that good? <laughs> And they're just all like, oh, shit. Do you know who that was? He had like 3% stockholder. And he's like, oh, well, more for us. Yeah. But now we know this guy's fucking. There's no joke. This guy is a ruthless dude. This scene sets the tone for what's going to happen next, because we find out he gets a phone call and he finds out that there are people in the hospital and it's the people from the bus and one of those guys was his little brother the one with the tracheotomy and they want to know who did this and he says you know from one of the guys he gets that it was only one man and at first he can't believe it by the way throwing a hospital chair jesus across the room like that right at his and head then, dude yeah pelting him right in the head fuck whoa dude like, and then beating him with it too until as you notice like by the time he's like the seventh or eighth hit that chair is all mangled it's all like bent to pieces um but he basically gets from them that it was one man and so he's like well fuck i need to find this guy and then from the side one of these other guys holds up the metro card mm-hmm. tell us about the metro card sean so we see through a wonderful uh opening uh, montage of uh, uh what's his name hutch uh, hutch yeah um, I always want to think that that's his last name, but it's not Hutch Mansell. Yeah. Mansell. He's a salesman. Hutch Mansell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he sells nice. probably metal hutches, which is a little on the That'd nose. Be awesome. Uh, that's called clever writing or, or is it? Uh, but he, uh, so he drops his Metro card and then they do their back end um, voodoo to find it. Um, yeah, it's basically and search enhanced. They're they're scanning the metro card into whatever scanner. It's a it's a it's a it's a I know what it is. It's, it's a, like it's a card, card reader. 
It's a SIM card scanner. I used okay. to have one back in the okay. day. And they're using this. But they, they were using to read a metro advanced, card. Yeah, they were using advanced software. But metro cards are in New York City, not in not in Ohio. And that's why I thought it was New York City because they kept focusing on metro cards and that card specific. And that card looked like legit the metro cards from New York City, unless they are in Cleveland or or Cincinnati. But um, there is I a Go know. Metro. Okay, so here we go. Regional stored value cards are available in 10, 20, and $30 quantities and available on all Metro and tank buses. Um, that's weird. Um, I'm trying to find where you can use them. Um, okay, here we go. Easy fare, your bus pass, anytime, anywhere in Ohio, Kentucky, coming soon to Cincinnati schools. Mm. Um, okay, so, so they can. And it might be like, so easy pass here. I think your brother, if he has one in Florida where the weirdos live, it would work, uh, where the wacky right? happens. There's a, there's like a, a sunshine pass or something like that. In right. Pennsylvania. They have their own names. It, yeah. Uh, Pennsylvania, it's easy pass here. It's NC uh, pass. I have, so, we have easy pass as well. Yeah. So, so there's, there's different and, and they all interwork, even though they're all different billing agencies, you know, ones for each state, they all intermesh so that you don't have to have 50 different uh, you know, you don't have to have, if you travel to different States, you don't have to change it out. Like you, like this was a thing back in the day, you used to have to change out license plates. If you went to different States and lived in that state, that was a weird thing. Well, yeah. So they get this, this Metro pass and they're doing some, you know, hacker stuff and they find out this is who this guy is. Right. But we need info on him. So she says, you know what, I'm going to this, this woman that's working for, for the Russian mobster, she says, I'm going to, I have somebody that works for the CIA. Was it FBI? Something uh, like I have that. a friend at the Pentagon who Pentagon. she just blackmails. Yeah. She goes, <laughs> I have a friend. I'm going to reach out and see if she knows. And immediately we see on the Pentagon side, this dude's working at a computer. And all of a sudden these pictures pop up where he's like all into S and M and being like, <laughs> like tortured by women. And it says, basically, I want everything on this dude or else this goes out to your family and friends. We see this guy like, all right, he tries to look up you know, Hutch in their system and it, mm -hmm. access is denied. It doesn't say they can't find him. It says access denied. And he's like, huh, let me see what's up. Goes down to the, the basement. Copies. Yeah. Go down to the basement. Uh, the, this guy's character should just simply be called bug eyes <laughs> because no matter where he goes, his he's eyes are bug eyed, like, dude. He's like, yeah, he finds a box of files and uh, he finds Hutch's file and he sends everything he's got to this woman. Right. And she, they look at it. Uh, she looks at it and prints it out, right? Brings it to the mobster, throws it at him, is like, all right, I quit. Bye. And she pieces out. And you're just like, the balls what? to throw it at a guy who will throw a chair across the room at somebody and just blatant show of either disrespect or, or you know, um, what's the word? Uh, sense of urgency to, you know, yeah. GTFO motherfucker, you know. And I love it, though, because, again, this shows us really still we don't know how like the extent of bob odenkirk hutch's character right like we don't it, know it the extent the, of the danger that he is it adds to the unknown lore that is this character he is basically like baba yaga <laughs> yeah or, dude like he's insane you know, he's the boogeyman but nobody wants to say anything about it because if you talk about him enough tony todd shows up yeah and uh the, the mobster looks down at the paperwork and there it says something about nobody right like that's just what it says on the paperwork nobody well it's got his face like yeah in between two uh two other pieces of paper on top of it yeah and he's like oh shit so that he knows who he's got right so he says basically he's like you know 
go after him. He sends men to go after Hutch and uh, they decide they're going to go after him at his home where his family is. And Old choice, brother. At that time, Hutch is at the house. You know, he's he's kind of you could tell the mood is already a little bit different around the house after that. It's happened, happier. Yeah. yeah him after, and his wife, yeah. but not so much his son. Yet, but yeah. Yes. To his daughter as well. There's three yeah. of them that are, you know, he makes his his world famous lasagna and it yeah. might actually be world famous where they're, they're making they're, they're about to have dinner. And as he's pouring wine, you know, he kind of g- glances out the window and notices these like black SUVs coming up the street. Mm-hmm. And he knows they're not just passing through because he lives at the end of a cul-de-sac like this. So it's not like just traffic going through. Right. And he knows exactly what it is when they all stop and all their lights go off at the same time. And that's it, again, we see this kind of, you know, late forties, mid fifties guy that works and has a family. And it's kind of this, this, this demeanor switch. And all of a sudden he's like, all right, everybody down, down to the basement. You know what I mean? So he gets them down to the basement and they're like, what's going on? What's going on? And I love this piece where he just kind of pulls open this panel on the wall that wasn't there. Uh Right. Starts punching in some numbers, looks at his family and says, don't call nine one one. Kisses well, his like, wife and boom, you know, this fucking yeah. huge door just shoom, shuts down. There's oh, a sliding like met, like a it was a pocket door that just like a panic room. Everywhere. Like it's a panic room yeah. all of a sudden. So then we see this, you know, uh, he, he goes and pulls open the panel the and just shuts all the lights off uh, the circuit board. And the, and these guys that are coming into the house, uh, they see all the lights go out and they know. All right. So he he knows we're here. Mm hmm. And they're ready. I mean, they're full tactical gear. They've got their their weapons. Their lights are on, and they're moving through the house like 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 legit tactical. Like they're moving through in in a specific way to clear all the rooms and look for him. And now we have another fantastic scene of him just taking them all out one by one, different ways, dude. Like there's one where he just like stabs this dude across the hallway, and the guy kind of turns around and is like, "What the hell?" Um, it was awesome, dude. This is another scene where he just like just completely destroys all these guys. Well, and part of it was realistic too, because remember when he tried to get the gun from the guy and he was pinned up against the, st- yeah. the the stair railing, and then he turns the guy's gun, which I think he grabbed the barrel, which would be hot as shit, by the Jeez, way. Jeez, no shit. And 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 maybe he grabbed it at the pick rail. I, I don't know. Um, the Picatinny rail. That's where you put your attachments. Um, I know because I have one for my Nerf guns. <laughs> uh, and the guy just pushes him back into the railing and he just rolls down the stairs, taking each individual railing with him. Yeah. Um, which was kind of humanizing for the character. Yeah, but he, bas- he basically wastes absurd. them all. And uh, now or he's like incapacitates them to the point where they cannot respond. Yeah. In any manner. He almost, no he almost dispatches all of them, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's badass this entire time. Then somebody comes up with a stun, uh, a stun gun and just, taser, yeah. uh, right in the side of the, right I think that's when he neck. gets pushed down the stairs uh, yeah. through and then down the stairs. Yeah. He's uh, getting up. Yeah. Uh, and they do, they take them, they bring them back. Um, and oh no, they're driving. So this is, this is crazy too. So they're driving. He's in the trunk. Um, we've got two, two, you got the a feet, one, one female Russian, another Russian in the front seat and this, the, the mm-hmm. black Russian in the back seat, and he's in the trunk back there and he wakes up and he realizes he's in cuffs. Holy fuck, dude. First thing he too, does is snap his fucking thumb just to pull a little the too off. realistic for me to see that particular one. That one <laughs> that one seemed like I've seen it before on TV and in movies and stuff. But man, oh. they were like zoomed in. They're like, like look at how this enhance. would look. 
Yeah, they're like, zoom in, enhance on this. I'm like, no, please don't. Dude, he gets out of the cuffs. He pulls the emergency lash and just kind of base barely opens the trunk to see where he's at. And he sees he's just out on a highway in the middle of nowhere, really. Just they're just, they're speeding along. But there's also nobody else coming. Let me ask you something. Them. When you're driving and your trunk comes open, doesn't there the go same a little thing. alert on the inside of the car? Um, well, so something, some little light, something comes on to tell you that the trunk is open. Is there a a clearance that it has to reach? That's what my thinking was, too, because he only went a little was, bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. So then I love this next spot, right? Mm-hmm. He he finds the the he finds a little side panel, which what I thought he was going to pull out was the crank to to, you know, when you have a flat tire, the little crank, the that jack, you yeah, did. The jack, though, he ended up pulling out a fire, a, extinguisher. A fire extinguisher. I don't have um, a fire extinguisher in my car. I have one of mine actually on the inside of it. Like it comes with it. No, no. Well, I have a truck. Oh, okay. So, so like I don't the have bigger a, vehicles that would have them. No, I got one for it because I was paranoid when I first got my truck. Uh, I'm not anymore. But I but, love what he does when he kicks that back seat open, dude. Mm-hmm. And he blasts that dude like just face forward down and then starts spraying this, the, 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 the stuff, the car swerving all through the road. And then it, it goes and hits this light pole, right? The next part, I don't understand. Why is that? It hits a light pole. Mm-hmm. Okay. It hits it head on. Mm-hmm. Why would it flip? Why would it flip then onto its top? That was my thinking too. It, 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 I don't know how that angle was, but for some reason it just goes boom. And now you see it flipping, right? Mm-hmm. And lands on its top and everyone's dead except for the black Russian. He's trapped half out, half in, and he's dying. He, he's slowly was dying. That, or was he like severed in half? Cause I couldn't see, I mean, it was dark. He was wearing dark clothing, so I couldn't really tell. Yeah. I he was think, actually, I think he was, he was pinned and he was slowly oh, dying. I got it. Uh, and this is where, Hutch has a chance to just kind of you know, let some stuff off of his chest. And he's just like, you know, <laughs> I thought I could walk away from this kind of a thing. And he talks about like he used to be an auditor and an auditor in like the IRS terms uh, is the same thing in his world that this is the guy you don't want to see. Right. Mm-hmm. But in his world, it means it's the last option. And that option means the next thing you're going to see is the inside of a casket uh, the inside or, of your eyelids or your Lord and savior, whoever yeah. that may be. But uh, he basically says that that he was a you know a, he this is who he was he was he was employed to make people bad people disappear or whoever the the government agencies deemed bad it was mm-hmm. his job to go in and make sure that they were they no longer existed he tells him this part he looks down and the guy's dead he's like oh okay so we fine. still have to wait for to figure out who this character is which is but kind we of know a good he's plot, he's dangerous. Yeah, we just know he's dangerous and it's a good plot, you know, way to further the narrative, but also not to reveal too much until the yeah. end. Um, or, yeah. yeah, I guess you it was know, the end. he lets his he lets his dad know what was happening. He lets his brother know. Uh, we assume he's his brother, right? We hear it over this, this the, the radio's waves and what's happening. Um, we find out it's his brother at the very, at, if nothing else. Yeah. Um, and now he's like, you know what? I, I know what I have to do. You know, my, mm-hmm. I have to make sure my family is safe. So he goes back to his house and he lets his family out of the, the, the basement. He's covering his daughter's eyes, but his wife's coming around and they're looking at this carnage, these bodies everywhere, blood everywhere. He brings his sons looking around like, holy shit, the fuck's going on, right? He puts them all in a car and he's basically telling his wife, listen, I got to just do this last thing this last time. I'm sorry. And his wife's like, you need to tell me what's happening. And this is where he says, you know, just trust me just one last time blindly. Just do that, right? Please. And but we never find out 
the son's take on all of this carnage and his dad's not yet. I mean, it is no. kind of a drop plot hole. That is a piece that doesn't that doesn't resolve itself because that was the thing. That was a main way they really wanted to push that his son looked at him like, you know, he was ashamed of him because he couldn't mm-hmm. stand up to those thieves. Um, but yeah, so the wife says she's going to take the kids away and he needs to get the shit together and they're going to talk whenever he's done. So they they take off and he's like, all right, now I know, know what I need to do, right? Um, there's a funny scene where he drags all the bodies downstairs and this is where he's talking to one of the guys that's barely alive. Before that, he he extracts from his pinball machine all of his gold bars. Oh, that's right. That's right. And then he... You know, then he starts to do the exposition of who he actually is before he lights yeah. the record, which <sighs> don't put the wrong record on there. That was a very, very cool sequence. But yeah, he's down in his basement, mm-hmm. you know, and he's got this he's got these guys lined up. And one of them, he says to him, you know, hey, he goes, um, you know, starts. Yeah, he goes into his story and what he is. And he says how he used to do this. But one day there was this guy that he was going to go kill. And he was he was uh stealing money or doing something laundering money i forgot what it was something stupid white collar right Mm -hmm. but he was going to kill this guy and in just he said normally when he kills someone he goes out he brings them does what he's got to do and he takes them out but for some reason in this moment he didn't take them out before the waterworks started and this Mm -hmm. guy started crying and pleading for his life and for some reason he could hear in this guy's voice that he was genuine he really wanted to change he didn't want to keep doing this so he let the guy go and then he said Five years later or whatever it was, he went back looking for him. One year later, went back looking for him and he found him and he expected to find him being a piece of shit, doing what he was doing before so that he was going to kill him. He was going to basically just do it anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. Except when he found him, he had a family and he was like kind of living a normal life and he had a house and he kind of looked at that and thought to himself, I want that. I'm kind of jealous. Yeah. tired of doing what I'm doing. I'd like to have that. And so that's what he's been doing for this many years. He's had a family 20 20 years. Yeah. He's had a family. He's kind of repressed this other side of his life. Um, He's been normal, right? But it has taken away something from him because you could see how his life was dead. His marriage was kind of falling apart. All these things were not good because a part of him wasn't being him. Mm -hmm. And again, before he finishes the story completely, it turns around. The dude's dead. He's like, yeah, well, you know, have fun here. And he ends up, torch in the place the whole house goes on fire um he grabs that satchel full of gold gold bars steals the guy's uh muscle car next door and then takes off right and he goes to his his father-in-law at the business and he he throws all the money the gold on the the desk he's like i'm buying the place now now uh i need you guys out of here everybody out and he closes the place Right. Like the next day, people are coming in for work, but it's closed. And all of a sudden we see him inside there and now he's Kevin McAllister. So now I'm thinking, oh, I'm getting so I'm not even going to say I got this because Aaron's the one that said this. She sat down to watch the last part of the movie with me and she saw this. She goes, oh, so this is just kind of like a grown man's home alone because <laughs> she's just watching him thought. build all that stuff. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I had the all same the thought. Traps. Um, but yeah, because he knows what he's about to do. He goes to the club that this mobster runs. And while the mobster's on stage singing and dancing, he's sitting in the middle of the room, in the middle of the, the one of these tables, just eating the steak in the direct eyeline of this mobster. Mm-hmm. mobster the, the, f- notice how there's nobody like it was all like, yeah, nobody was in the, in, in the way, so to speak. 
And I love it. I love it. The mobster confronts him. It's like, you know, you've got some nerve. And he says, uh, oh, no, before that, let's say this real quick. Before that, he goes to this bank, right? This institution where all of this money's kept and mm. just burns it all to the ground, just burns it, destroys it, takes out a bunch of people in the process, but destroys it, burns the place down. So he confronts the mobster and, he and steals a painting. Because that was a converse, uh, a callback to a conversation from at the beginning, yeah, where he went to the barber uh, uh, to see what what the deal is. Yeah, um, we see we see this conversation go down where he you know he says I just want to talk to you. Everybody leaves right because he threatens him. Everybody thinks that he's going to pull a gun. He pulls this napkin, and Hutch has tied his finger on a string to a a um what claymore. Do you call it? a claymore, which is an explosive for. For Wait, folks, yeah, that what don't it know says what that is. front faces enemy or something like that. You're like, yeah. Okay. If something says enemy on it, etched in metal. But dude, just the way that's used later. Holy shit. Anyway, um, he he goes out that you know he has a conversation with this guy and says, listen, as far as I'm concerned, we're even. You came to my family's home. You know, you're not supposed to do that. So what I'm going to offer you is I'm going to walk away. You're going to walk away. I know you're a mobster, but I also know that you've been kind of tired of your life and you want to kind of start your own thing and you kind of want to have what I have, right? So why don't you just go ahead and do that? This is your chance. Go ahead, walk away, go start a life. We both can rebuild. Mm -hmm. And the mobster is looking at him like, you you think you're crazy, right? He says, I'm going to let you think about it. So he gets out goes out to the car and he's sit there waiting. Now, let me ask you something. There's a scene where he's sitting in there waiting, right? And he looks in the, in the rear view mirror and he can see the front of the club. Then he closes his eyes and he puts his, like crosses his fingers, opens his eyes again. And then he sees the guys all come pouring out, jumping in cars. And he's like, let's go. Boom. Takes off. Right. Cause they're going to chase him. What was the crossing fingers for? What was he, what was he wishing for in that moment? Was he wishing that this guy was going to take his offer and do it and no one would show up or was he hoping please please let's do this i want to dance he was he was hoping that he would act i mean he gave him the the uh, so there, there's my best guess is that he was hoping that he would act because if he wants out well he can want out all day long right mm-hmm. yeah but he's not going to get out because he lost well he buys eight and nine figure paintings by the way i don't think i've ever thought of an eight or nine figure painting unless we're talking like seven figures plus two more for the sense um (laughs) right yeah yeah uh but yeah he he's uh he would have to answer to a lot of angry russians that most likely he's holding again pallets of money oh yeah that are probably only 100s and I, i didn't crunch the numbers but i'm gonna guess that it's there's more than 10 or 11 figures not oh, including sense this time easily. in that pile. Easily. So that your life is not worth that much. You know, if you're a movie Russian act uh, gangster, that's, yeah. you know, we saw what happened to the Shifra in his own movie. Yeah. And uh, so they're after him. Right. And we get a crazy car chase scene. A lot of bullets flying. There's not this, as crazy as the Batman, but it's one of these things where this is not a Batmobile. Okay. So, the There's fact a that car, that amount of uh, that amount of bullets poured into it, it made me feel like that opening scene of Quantum of Solace, where I was just like, "Jeez, oh, yeah." I was just like, "Dude, that car should be shredded by now." 
Well, it's, it's a okay. 1970s muscle car. They don't make them like that anymore. That's Chris. true. That's true. So we do have to just kind of take it at face value, but it is, it's, a, it's an, it's an excellent kind of action sequence. And as um, you said, it's written by the same guys that wrote John Wick. So there is a little bit of fan, just a little bit of fantastical. Just a bit, somewhere. right? Um, let's cut to his dad. His dad's in the nursing home and a bunch of the Russians come up there and they're like, all right, we're going to kill this guy. Right. And uh, yeah, he's waiting, dude. I love the fact that they use that he watches like every grand, like every older person watches Westerns yes. all the time. My grandfather did it. I mean, granted, he's been dead for 20 years, but he watched Westerns nonstop. Dude, it was so awesome. He's sitting there in his chair, eyes closed like he's sleeping. His hands are underneath the blanket. Aaron goes, oh, he's got guns. He's going to kill them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all of a sudden, this dude pulls like the Russian, you know, points a gun right at him. What the hell was that? A desert eagle? It's the size of that gun. Jesus. Was it silenced? No, I don't think so. Oh, oh yeah. Well, uh, well he points it and he grabs it with his off Dude, yeah. He, or, first of all, he grabs it. it. He grabs it and shoves his pinky between the hammer and the... Oh, is that what he did? That's a dude. It was oh, he, I missed he grabs that. it and, and he pulls the trigger and you see mm. that the hammer just gets stuck between the pinky. Oh, nice. Nice. Dude, I was like, get out of here. I thought he like, okay, here we go. <laughs> Like, I thought he grabbed actual- it and like crushed the barrel. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? Like, did did Christopher Lloyd go back to the future and get like some super strength <laughs> hands or something? Some some extremists? Yeah, dude, it was so fucking dope. He grabs it and throws his pinky between there, which I'm That's, sure that shot fucking hurt, but well, stopped it. From I'd rather that hurt than be dead. By the way, um, um, from do you want to? From- hey, do you want to practice this when we when we get together again? Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's use paintball uh, guns. He pulls and out Anthony. He pull- pulls out a sawed off shotgun and blasts the other guy away dude no he didn't even pull it out it was still under the blankets when he shot him jesus um i love that the explosions uh of 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 ammo wake up the the security guard that's kind of sitting outside the room that the 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 orderly and he comes running in right and he sees he's he's at the desk he's the night yeah he's at the reception desk now all he sees sign himself in twice when this guy's asleep now all you see from his angle from the door is the back of uh christopher lloyd's chair and the top of his head and the tv that's the westerns and it's turned up so you hear the guns going off he's like you gotta turn that stuff down it's not good for you you know you can keep people so meanwhile we cut to the front of what we see of the front of that scene and he's got this dude he's like literally just suffocating him to death like holding his nose in his mouth dude what the hell never would have thought i'd see christopher lloyd as as that badass dude what well we saw back to the future three I mean, yes, but he's not shoving his finger in the gun. That was insane, dude. Well, I mean, it could shoot the fleas off a back, uh, off a dog's back at 80 yards. So <laughs> there you go. So he, uh, so then we cut back and we see that what's his name has driven back to his, his uh, warehouse, right? He's, he's, he's gone through this whole car chase and they've chased him down to the warehouse. He gets out of the car. He's trying to make his way in and they start shooting at him. They're getting there. And this is the first time I started thinking, uh oh, we might have some trouble here because he takes a shot. He takes a round right to the shoulder and mm-hmm. it drops him. Uh, he's hiding behind the car while they're lighting it up, you know, just firing on it. And all of a sudden, um, from above him, all this glass comes falling down because the window's mm-hmm. broken out. And up there, we have his brother, played by the Rizza, with this monster, monster sniper rifle looking thing, dude. Like that was insane. The silent sniper rifle i mean that silencer is about as half as big as the rifle 
Uh, the, the, <laughs> what was the point to that big of a firearm? Good Lord. How, uh, how does he even walk in and out of, out of the place? Sideways. Carefully. Yeah. Sideways. Um, I think you stand it up right. Um, and then his dad's there, too. So basically the cavalry's here. It's him, his dad and his brother. And we find well, out that these he, guys his dad just... looks and he looks spry. Yeah. A, oh, you yeah. know, and, and energetic, yeah. energized because he's like, oh, I missed it earlier. Yeah. And you think he's just in a nursing home and he's probably there for other people's protection. Yeah. When he's there uh, saying this, I've missed this. That makes me think, what the hell did the three of these guys used to do? You know what I mean? Well, it was his dad's FBI badge, right? Yeah. 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 So, so um. So there's this shootout all the way up until it, it's, it's, you know, the last mobster guy. And this is a crazy scene where, you know, Hutch grabs, I don't even know what kind of shield it was, right? It's some sort it was of, a, it was a, it was a uh, fabricating shield. It was bulletproof glass. So it's designed to withstand a lot of impact. And uh, he, he tapes the claymore like to the outside. Shield, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It totally looked like it tapes the claymore to the outside, but has that string come around, right? That would I mean, that was just an insane shot. Mm-hmm. But he ends it was, up blowing this guy away. Yeah, it was clever and it was very um, uh, unique. I think yeah. it was very. It's yeah, I would say so. Um, so there we go. Right, he we win. He wins the day. Um, we get uh, how? What was it, like a, a a few months later or however many months later? We get a shot of him and his wife looking at a new house. So uh, now three, you have, I believe, you know, they're good everything's yeah. good they're, they're they seem like they're happy and things are working well and the uh the real estate agent's getting this phone call she's ignoring it she, another again another one comes through she's trying to show them the house and she's like you know i'm so sorry i don't usually get this many calls she goes to answer it and she's just like mr mr what's his name mansell mm-hmm. it's for you he's like huh and he takes it it's an unknown number and we don't hear anything it said we just see him listening Mm-hmm. And you see his face change. You can literally see his face kind of go. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Then he gives it back to her and his wife's looking at him and they just kind of go back and keep talking. And you're like, oh, OK. No, she he asked is, does this place have and his wife finishes the sentence a basement? Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, she knows she's very happy. I mean, I wouldn't say happy, but she knows. Right. Yeah. Um, she's accepting. She knows exactly what's happening here. And that's the, and that's it. And you're like, cool. The, well, this infers that he's back in the game now. Yeah. Um, and not just him. His dad and the Rizza as well, because there is a mid credits scene in this film. What the mm-hmm. hell? Who would have expected that from a non Marvel movie? Um, there was one. Everybody that we just do it now. Like all kinds of movies do it now. We it's like a, a movie not long ago. Oh, you know, there, there was one. You know where it was? The visionary himself. Idiocracy. Exactly. Yeah. Before mid credit scenes were a mid credit scene or end credit scenes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we get us we get a shot of the Rizza and Christopher Lloyd in a camper uh, driving. Where were they driving? I don't even know. They were. It seemed like they were on PCH. Yeah. Heading south. Uh, uh, well, Pacific Coast Highway. But uh, they could have been on the lake somewhere, anywhere. Yeah. Not some nondescript area, but. Yeah. Christopher Lloyd's like, why couldn't we just fly? And they both look in the back of the of this this vehicle, and it's just lined with all these weapons, semi-automatic mm-hmm. rifles and weapons and machine guns, and and then that's it. And so now we're just like, ah, oh, there's more to come. Well, and there it, may it, be. It, yeah, it clo- it maybe, but you know, it left it open ended, like yeah. every movie now does, just in case. Yeah, just in case you need to make a trilogy. Um, so yeah, dude, what did you think in terms uh, of the plot? 
like well, this plot. I mean, there are some holes. There are some holes. There are some drop plot points that, you know, I think we already alluded to most of them. But are they holes and, and plot points that affect it? Do you know that really? Because I feel like this is the kind of movie you're not supposed to kind of think too deep on. This is a romp. Mm-hmm. This is about having fun and watching this go down. It's a junk food movie is really what it yeah. is. It's, a, yeah. it's an adrenaline. It's a action packed adrenaline fuel ride. Yeah. Um, you know, splicing some Pablo Francisco fire effect, you know, and also the, fire effects. It's also kind of like one of these movies that you, you watch. And it's almost like you get to you can live vicariously through it. Right. So there's a lot of people who live this guy's life, this everyday kind of nothing changes. It's all the same kind of routine and that they all there are people who yearn for something different and something more. So when you watch something like this, it's kind of an escape. It's also an escape for those people who can live vicariously as the person who doesn't want to take shit anymore. And will beat the hell out of the guy that's given him, you know, giving people problems on a bus or something. So yeah, I could, Scarface I see it as those baked. movies. Yeah, right. Yeah. This is Scarface's inspiration in between the time he's <laughs> at work and the time he quits work. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, dude, for me, I thought I, in terms of the plot, there are there are things, but I don't think those are things that hurt the story or make it so that it doesn't make any sense at all. No, it, it doesn't hurt. It's they're just drop pl- uh, plot points. So. There are certain people who watch movies that are completists uh, or, look, you know, or, you know, uh, uh, there are some some very famous uh, YouTube channels like, um, you know, how it should have ended. I think a yeah. lot of people know what that is. And, and there's uh, one that we watch after every Marvel anything we watch um, where they break down all the Easter eggs and all the different subtleties yeah. and the, the, the symmetry and the symbolism and whatnot. Uh, and those people relish this, I'm sure, uh, these plot holes, but, um, you know, for all in all for they're they're not critical to anything of any, you know, there, there are also a lot of, uh, good writing callbacks. Like for example, when his brother at the very beginning of the movie, his brother-in-law gives him a gun at work mm-hmm. before we find out that it's, fa- that it's that brother-in-law's father's yeah. business. Uh, he's not going to get fired for having a handgun. Yeah. It's also yeah. Ohio. So it was I don't... so weird too. Just the way it was just like pointing it at him. Like what yeah. the fuck yeah. is and, that? And silly that the safety was not on. Yeah. Uh, and cause he even said the safety's not on. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, it is. Oh wait, no. It's not. Oh yeah. My but bad. Remember, he was a real soldier. Yeah. Um, but, oh, there's you know, one and, callback and, I forgot that, to mention, dude. Well, but that does come back though at the end where he just goes and grabs that gun. Yeah. Out of the Jimmy Dean sausages. Yep. And there's the one I forgot to mention, dude, is when he had all of those those bodies and the one barely surviving in the basement. And he's about to go on this long thing about like why he does this. He stops and he looks down at the guy's feet and there's the kitty cat bracelet sitting under mm-hmm. the under the couch. He's like, oh, well, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like this whole thing, yeah. the one thing that actually was the catalyst to snap him back into wanting to fucking destroy people when he needed to. Mm-hmm didn't really have to happen at all because it was literally under the couch right there. What did he say? He said, Oh, you sneaky. Uh, yeah. I, I thought the guy had it at first. I'm like, Oh, he's got the <laughs> kitty cat bracelet. <laughs> no, so, it was just there. But yeah, dude, this is the, the, in terms of some of the story writing there, that's awesome. Right there. Again, there were certain things that are smaller plot, uh, not these smaller, but these plot holes or these things that's kind of don't, didn't make sense, but that's not what the whole point of this movie was. So no, um, the, the plot is, I mean, the plot is, uh, to paraphrase Morty of Rick and Morty, uh, the plot was not, quote, tight. Um, no, no, slightly loose. Yeah. But it's all uh, good. It's all yeah, fun. It, it, it's, it, it serves its purpose. It does what it needs to do. 
the plot, the story, you know, it kind of continues and we meet people very regularly. So it's mm-hmm. not like a deus ex machina where, you know, the, the person that saves the day just comes in in the last act, like yeah. out of nowhere. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's a, it's a John Wick movie basically with that's a different basically face. what it was. Yeah. Yeah. With, with a, maybe a little more plot, you know, the, you know, the family lives, the dog lives, but the kitty cat bracelet is, yeah. uh, is the whole, is the, uh, the ember. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Dude, let's get into the music and the soundtrack. What about the actors? Dude, let's get into the acting and the actors. <laughs> <laughs> Smooth move, X-Lax. Oh, man. Right away, Bob Odenkirk. Love it. I love it because he is kind of like the everyday normal guy, but he makes it believable that he can do everything we saw him do in this film. The way he acted, like the way he comes across, extremely believable, I think. I agree. Uh, I mean, it's, I mean, I don't watch, I haven't watched, this might be sacrilege. Uh, I have not watched Breaking Bad, so therefore not watch Better Call Saul. I haven't watched The Wire either, but so neither have I. Uh, although I can recommend Altered Carbon on Netflix. Neither have uh, I. Oh, lots of nudity though. So if you're not into, you know, uh, some people have a thing against nudity in TV. Um, uh, so why? Not us. We don't. We're like, okay, yeah, if it serves the purpose of the story. But if it's just like you're shoving a dong in there, like I, I mean, well, that's <laughs> just to show that it. sentence can be taken in many different ways. But it's oh, not I'm clipping that out. Don't you worry. I'm going to use that a lot. I hate you so much. It's going to be on one of your sound, your your sound clipboards. Uh, but yeah, dude, Bob Odenkirk, I think, yeah. like plays this character. I mean, his subtlety is great. Great. Yeah. 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 His it. subtlety is great, and and you know, he's, I guess, commonly funny. But I, I'm not familiar with a lot of his stuff. I know he was a writer for a while on Saturday Night Live, or he was on it, or something. Yeah, he used to fam- do the show with um with was with Mr. Um, David Cross. Yeah, he and yeah, David yeah. Cross did the show together. I, I never watched that though. It was funny. I used to like that a lot. Um, Christopher Lloyd, dude. How about this? I didn't know he was in this movie. So when Christopher Lloyd shows up, I'm just like, yes, yeah, what's happening I, here? But, but this is I, awesome. But then I looked at him. I'm like. Is he old? Yeah, he's Did they very even old. Put makeup on him. I nope. know he's old, but like he's just very old now. Oh, he's old. That's Sanchez. actually no no special effects makeup there. I don't think, dude. He looked. I mean, I think that's his natural age now. Oh, and now he's yeah, playing but, characters that are in that age. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, you're not going to de-age him because yeah, I mean, doesn't he, make sense, does it? Yeah, it, I mean, but yeah, he, he's very serviceable and he kind of moves around like a he kind of shuffles around like an older man would. Yeah, probably he's probably method in that. But spry, dude, spry. Holy cow. Oh, yeah. I mean, but he also was sitting a lot of the movie. So my guess is they may have worked around a lot of maybe his capabilities. But even still, like, I mean, in the picture on Wikipedia, he's standing. Yeah, he he is 83, though. Holy shit, dude. Listen to this. That's going to be a sad one. It says years active 1961 until the present. Wow. There's a picture of him from high school in 1958. It's obviously black and white, but he kind of looks like Rod Serling. A little bit. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, maybe it's the black and white because the Twilight Zone was mostly black and white. But wow. Like he's got a lot. Uh, Connie Nielsen plays the wife, Becca Mansell. Um, I thought she did good, too, because, I mean, from (laughs) what we needed, we needed her to be kind of 
um, just a character to be there at the beginning to show the repetitiveness and what she was in terms of where they were. Then there was the coldness. So you had, you couldn't have too much interaction. It was a more about her not really interacting with him. Do you know what I mean? Being in bed yeah. in those ways, but it was when they started interacting more and she, you could see that there were things that their, their marriage wasn't going the way she thought it was going to go either. And so it was there. And I think she did a good job myself. Did you watch the following with Kevin Bacon? Yeah. Is that what she's she, from? She Well, she was on it. Yeah, she um, looked familiar. But she was also the wife from Gladiator. Oh, wow. Old yeah, that goes school. Way back. She's Danish, in case you couldn't tell from a lack of an accent. Yeah, I didn't. I did not know that at mm. all. I didn't either. But damn, she had she was a. Her first film was 1984 and the next one was 1991. They both look like they're foreign films, foreign to America. Uh, but then since like the like 98, she's been pretty consistent with doing a movie, one, one or two movies a year on average, if mm. not more. She was um, Queen Hippolyta in Justice League and Wonder Woman 1984. Oh, okay. And Wonder Woman, the first one. That works. So I, um, I haven't seen any of those. Michael Ironside. Can you go wrong with Michael Ironside? Dude, again, this is one of those ones with, when he showed up, pleasantly surprised like hey it's michael ironside yeah but here's the thing like michael ironside like his role was so minimal in this he was like how um how Isn't that insane, though? yeah but like his role was how hutch felt it was like yeah minimal and downsized yeah but he was there and he served yeah. that point right he, but it he, was just nice seeing him for me but he's imposing as a guy you just look at him and you're like that's a big dude. And yeah, I'm surprised like, they didn't use him more in a villainous status. State status, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, that's well. He's 72. Maybe he's not as uh, spry as he wasn't feeling it anymore. He's like, yeah, no thanks. Yeah. Now the guy who played the Russian mobster, the 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 Russian mobster's name was Yulian uh, Alexei. How would you say that? Serebrin. Serebrikov. Serebrikov. Yeah. Sure. Serebrikov. Usually there's Cerebriakov. a uh, usually there's a click a button to for name pronunciation. Cerebriakov. Did they take that off of Wikipedia? Maybe, dude. Dude's hardcore Russian though, because there was a lot of Russian in this movie. Yeah, and he came across like again. I thought he was a good actor too, because that whole opening sequence where he's kind of doing that partying and dancing and singing, and then the brutalness that the way he just kind of kills the one guy all the way to just the way he kind of tracks, you know, hutch down to the very end. And, you know, I I loved it. I thought he was awesome. He was, he was very intimidating and scary for sure. Uh, Yeah. I I mean, I I joked earlier about Dolph Lundgren being this guy, being this character, but I don't think that his Russian is up to par uh, as somebody (laughs) who I don't know is from Russia, as opposed to a guy who played a boxer, with very little dialogue from Russia. Um, but yeah, I, I think he, uh, you're, and, and is this, do you think Chris, that this is part of that uh, movement in film to have the characters be the, uh, pl- be played by those that are. Um, so basically ilk, like reality? a Russian character being played by a Russian yeah, uh, I, I don't know. Russia. I don't know. I think maybe it's easier to get it that way, too. Right. But I know there is that thing, right? This whole idea that they'd like to see more representation, um, accurate representation, accurate representation. Yeah. Correct. Um, that's a whole different 
other discussion. Anybody else in this movie that you wanted to bring up in terms of their acting? Because there's a lot of different gangsters. There's the uh, there's this guy called the barber, which, you know, we didn't really kind of get too much into, but he was this weird kind of liaison. I'm assuming a higher level. Um, he's an informant government guy, right? Maybe or an informant or but he's always at the barber like always must be or does the barber come to him and he's just got a barber chair in his like some people have movie theaters in his house yes yeah. he's got he a barber a, shop yeah um i mean that guy i at first before they zoomed out i thought it was tony todd oh nice that would have been cool dude i wouldn't have, i wouldn't have mind seeing him uh, but it wasn't tony todd by the way no it wasn't him um this guy is apparently in stuff i've never i mean i've seen him in things but i've never been like oh it's colin salmon yeah. um I mean, the Rizza, I think that, did you mention the Rizza? Nope. Rizza plays the brother. Uh, and you don't see him till the last scene. I'm like, yeah, oh, he it's did mostly voiceovers. vocal. Yeah. A lot, mostly vocal voiceover stuff. And then you see him at the, at the very end, which there's not much of a performance from him aside from a, a few fight scenes and a lot of shooting. Yeah. That's pretty much it. And a smile here and there, or yeah. like uh, an inquisitive look, but that's, I mean, uh, was he in the man with the iron fists, the movie, or was he just yeah. the soundtrack guy? I think he's in it. I think he's in okay. it. I've never seen it, but I think he's in it. I think there's two or three of them, but yeah, same. Um, he was in the movie too, like you said, but that's really the extent of those that I noticed or that are critical to the, the story. Sweet, sweet. All right, dude, let's move on to the soundtrack and the score. So the soundtrack, holy crap, this whole movie, I just kept saying, what a soundtrack. Mm-hmm. What a soundtrack. There is, there's some jazz in this. There's some big band. There's some like 60s R&B. There's some blues. I mean, this movie's got such a great soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, you know, the the score and the the songs just kind of, they make sense um, in a sense. <laughs> yeah no very a uh, uh, a really well put together soundtrack this reminded me kind of like quentin tarantino in that like when tarantino does his films there are specific styles of music and songs that are used to kind of ev- to evoke that i don't know even just a cool factor right like this is cool it's cool the way we see this kind of you know scene play out or the way you know he's listening to i don't know was it coltrane he was listening to some some jazz and he's just kind of sitting there and he's pouring the 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 whiskey or whatever it was for himself and do you know what i mean like the all of these different scenes and and all the different times we we heard music come on it was like it was it was curated for this movie mm-hmm. specific for those scenes like if you used other songs it wouldn't have worked if you asked me yeah and i mean they used Pat Benatar's heartbreaker. Uh, oh yeah. You know, a few times on purpose, you know, the first one being when we meet the douche that ha- the midlife crisis guy that hates yeah. his dad, uh, his, his, his recently uh, passed dad, but so um, got a dodge. Uh, was it a charger or a challenger from him? Uh, There's yeah. a challenger. And uh, he's like, who cares? Fuck it. I got a, I got a, a muscle car from the seventies from my dad. Goes zero to 60 and about to find the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. That's like a dad joke, but a thousand times worse. Um, 
we get a cover, a slowed down cover of uh, Don't Let mm. Me Be Misunderstood, which is a very, very cool version of that song. Mm-hmm. Um, there was also what do you think? What it, a wonderful world. Louis mm-hmm. Armstrong was in there. Well, there's a lot of jazz that was the cover for him talking to his brother. They uh, through the radio, which. Yeah. All right. Is there like a mic in his office somewhere that just transmits there? It must and be right. Vice versa. And he just broadcasts shortwave radio, which means his brother must be close. Right. Yeah, dude, this was great. I loved it. I absolutely love the soundtrack for this film. This would be a soundtrack I would go. I would go out of my way to buy because mm-hmm. a lot of the music on this was so, so good. I would I would tell anybody definitely. Uh, if, if you're somebody who likes to put movie soundtracks on that have, you know, you want to hear some good music, this is one of them for sure. Agreed. All right, dude, let's get into the one of the bigger parts of this movie, the special effects. There's a few. Just a little. A couple. Yeah. I think most of it, though, would be... Pra- I, I didn't see green screen in a lot of places. No, it was all, no. like you said, you know... It's very much uh, explosives. You know, Frank and Darabont. Yeah, yeah, it's it's more Frank Darabont, less uh, CG. You know, less Marvel. No offense to either. Maybe but. the CG was like the certain knife stabs and things like that. Like when he kicks the knife through the guy's yeah. leg and oh, all that. You don't think that guy was method? <laughs> uh, but oh, overall, man, like I'd say the, the wounds great. were the wounds were more. Um, you know, unless it was like a fake leg. Yeah, yeah. No, oh no, oh yeah, yeah, there's no. the when he blows the dude's hand off with the shotgun. Like there's certain things that you see. Um yeah. but overall, man, the practical, the 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 blood, the cuts, the everything about it, they I it looked great. There was nothing in this where I was just like, ooh, that looks fake. A lot of it looked more uh, less CG and more practical or stunt or I mean, yeah. maybe maybe him being thrown through the through the bus window being candy glass, but you know, maybe they took out a crash pad. Yeah, something. But CG, you know, you know, taking out the safety parameters, not in, not IRL, as the yeah, kids say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But more, you know, for um, the yeah, you know what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> yeah, uh, we get, you know, there's a lot happening in this. This is an action film, so you're going to see a lot of action sequences that take a lot of well timed, you know, effects. Um, and again, explosives, a lot of ammunition firing, a lot of that stuff happening. Do you know, again, the Claymore explosion, that looked pretty dope. That was really awesome. But other than that, man, I mean, nothing else to say. I think it was on point. It looked great. There wasn't, there wasn't anything about it that pulled me out of it. No, not at all. All right, man. This is it. We're on, our, we're on the home stretch now. We're about to give it our last thoughts and final rating. We're going to rate this out of five kitty cat bracelets. And I'll let you go first. So when, when you mentioned how we were rating this today, um, I forgot. I, I told you that I had forgotten when I watched this last night. Oh, this is how we should rate it. Uh, obviously, it's kitty cat bracelets because that's the crux of the movie. Um, but uh, I'll just give you a failed one that I one that we didn't choose uh, was Jimmy Dean sausage handguns <laughs> or Jimmy Dean handguns. Because at the end, yep. when he pulls the, the gun that he places in the freezer box. Yep out and just start shooting people i think that was in the trailer uh, if i'm not mistaken was or, it uh, not him taking it out of the free- freezer but just him shooting a box gotcha. through a box um so uh so this movie is uh, it kind of came and went but it was i think there was a big marketing push for it uh and like the whole the whole thing was who is this guy well he's nobody and you know i, I remember that portion of it uh i mean it, it did 
it, it cost 16 million. It made 57.5 million Not on, bad. in the box office. Um, it has a 92 minute runtime, which is kind of nice. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you don't need these to be over long because you, you, then you start to bleed into uncut gems territory or yeah. it's just nonstop. Adrenaline. Yeah. Yeah. You ain't kidding. Um, but it has uh, the lead actors that we continue to follow throughout the movie uh, have a lot of subtlety to them. Uh, and they're they're. I mean, you have Bob Odenkirk being put upon and downtrodden um, and just watching the montage. I was I was hooked the second I saw the montage of those quick cuts of his week mm-hmm. and then every week thereafter. And every once in a while, there was a small, subtle thing that was different. Mm-hmm. Um, he kept missing the trash, which, by the way, take the trash out the night before. Right, right. Uh, I think it's written into all HOA bylaws that you can have it out after dark. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that. Uh, you know, there was just this, I don't want to say because I haven't seen it. uh, There's like this um, Godfather type thing where it's this lore. And again, I haven't seen Godfather. So all I know is what's in the zeitgeist. Oh man. Uh, I I know. I know. By the way, are you watching the offer? Yes. Are you enjoying it? So good. You know who plays one of the guys? Side note. Yeah. uh, is your boy from War Dogs? Yeah, Miles Teller, dude. He plays the the producer. Is he any better than in War Dogs? Uh yeah, he's but he's much better in this one. He, he was a different kind of character, but he does a good job. Okay, I know that was your big thing. Like, who's this fucking guy? But <laughs> uh, so so back to the show. Um, you know the the show does t- or the movie does touch on. Um, you know, it's got that lore of the barber and the, this person. It's not unlike John Wick in that, where it's like you got to see the man who sits above the table, or you know here's my marker or you know, the continental no business, no business shall be done on continental grounds. I've never seen any of the John wick films, so I don't know what those are. Ian McShane is in it. That's all you need to know, <laughs> okay. but he's not Ian McShane from what is it? Six feet under or, okay. or where he's like the King's English mixed with every four letter word you can, you can imagine, but he's very much Ian McShane, you know, uh, nice. but um, maybe this movie needed Ian McShane too, but I, I'm wondering if this is like a, like John Wick was this mob. Was he a mob? You know, never watched the movie. Uh, he was like an assassin and he was the boogeyman. He literally was the boogeyman. They called him Baba Yaga. Um, and this movie, are they trying to set up a franchise of if John Wick was like one it. and you know, Bob Odenkirk, uh, uh, Hank, nobody, uh, Hank, uh, Hutch is, his code name, nobody. Um, maybe if they make a second one, would it be like, like remember nerd, the band, this is weird. Uh, where it was N dot E. Yeah, what if it was yeah. like N dot O dot B. Good God. Um, but it, it would be, you know, this movie was very much like John wick. It had a lot of plot uh, similarities to home alone. Like we mentioned to at least one James recent Daniel Craig, James Bond movie. Um, and a couple other, you know, John Wick, I think I mentioned maybe more than once already. Uh, so, so there was a lot of that, um, a lot of similarities. I enjoyed the movie, you know, uh, but there are some drop plot points as well. Again, the acting was good if I didn't close that loop. Um, but at the end, it's just, you know, maybe it makes sense. Maybe there's a subtlety even in the story that, the dad is watching all these Westerns with all these shootouts and the end of the movie, there's a parallel where there is a shootout mm-hmm. perhaps. 
Um, but you know, even still, I did enjoy the movie. Um, it wasn't one of those where it's, I mean, it's a revenge movie more or less uh, a man protecting his family when shit gets out of hand, shit really gets out of hand. Um, but you know, I, I really, I, I enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed the cinematography. The soundtrack, as we mentioned, was great. Uh, the acting of, of the key characters was, was what was really needed. Um, it's not a perfect movie. We mentioned some plot uh, points that were dropped, some characters that just vanished. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as, as far as uh, movies go, uh, and this is a really good one. It was clever. It had some good new uh, or new to me at the very least uh, filming techniques and storytelling techniques um, to a point. Um, so, you know, for this movie, uh, it's good. Like I said, it's not perfect. There are some fantastical elements to it, but a lot of it is more realistic and I can really believe it. Um, so I got to go four two five four point two five 4.25 kitty cat bracelets on this one. I, I enjoyed it. I, I really liked this movie. I would watch it again, uh, but not next week. Nice. Yeah. Dude, I would watch I, it before uh, Uncut Gems. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I, I have to echo a lot of what you said. A lot of this I liked. I liked the way it looked. It felt the music was great. The storyline was fast. It was it's one of these movies. Again, it's it's about kind of losing yourself in and going for the wild going for the wild ride, not really looking for anything too deep. You know what I mean? Nothing that's going to blow you away so that you're like, oh, man, I can remember this movie because uh, what you're supposed to be blown away with here is the spectacle, the spectacle of all of the violence, the hyper violence, very stylized um, again, though, very enjoyable, like you said. So I'm not going to keep going. A lot of what you said, I echo even in terms of the, there are certain things that have flaws and, and they never revisit. So um, but see, I, I don't know that I'll go four to five for me. It's probably a solid four. It was a good time. I would again. I'd watch this uh, again as well. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to keep it at a four. Kitty cat bracelets for me. Fair, sweet, sweet. And now we're at one of my other favorite parts of the show when we talk about what we're going to be watching next. So this in this movie, when someone is unjustly accused and arrested uh, and put on trial, they are. You know, some people would say, oh, it's uh, they were set up or they were framed or it was a frame job or, yep. or they're getting railroaded. Well, we're going to find out and answer the question. Finally, who framed Roger Rabbit? Ah! How the hell did you get in here? Through the mail slot. I thought it would be best if I waited inside. See how I'm wanted for murder. No kidding. Just talking to you could get me a rap rating and a betting. Wait a minute. Anybody know you're here? Nobody. Not a soul except. Uh, who? Well, you see, I didn't know where your office was, so I asked the newsboy. He didn't know. So I asked the fireman, the greengrocer, the butcher, the baker. They didn't know. But the liquor store guy, he knew. In other words, hey! the whole damn town knows you. Come on, Eddie. 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 Dude, I'm looking forward to this, but you know, I always say this, right? There's a slight hesitation only because it's been a very long time since I've seen this film. I do have a feeling though. I'm not going to be disappointed. I have a feeling I'm going to watch this and it's not going to feel kind of like rose colored glasses. Um, 
so, but I am looking forward to it. I remember just absolutely loving this. And back in the day when I was growing up, I wanted to be an animator. I always loved animation and wanted to be an, an animation. So when this movie came out, I remember just being like, just kind of floored. Now I know there had been other films before it that kind of crossed cartoon and live action, but this was a one that did it on such a level with so many different kinds of characters that I was like the, the properties that I was aware of. I, I, I was, I was stoked. So dude, I'm stoked to see it again now. Yeah. It's I've seen it probably within the last five years. It was oh, okay. on Netflix. Uh, it's currently on Disney plus if you're a subscriber and I hear they're coming out with a free version with Ooh, commercials. Interesting. Yeah. With commercials though. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, so, so that'll be, maybe it's not free. Maybe it's just cheaper. I, I don't cheaper, know. Yeah, probably. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's on, uh, of all things it's on, Disney Plus, even though it, it, I think it's distributed by Universal. Yeah. Uh, but it's got Warner Brothers and Disney proper Disney characters in it. Yeah. Um, I do have a lot of um, uh, uh, behind the scenes trivia or not trivia, but like little tidbits that are interesting awesome. uh, th- that are stuck up here. Um, but yeah, this movie is, I do quote certain things all the time uh, from this movie. That's awesome. They're very subtle. Uh, I don't think I- I've ever said anyone here, though. I do love that. I, I'm surprised, though, that you didn't draw the connection being Christopher Lloyd in this one. I didn't because, um, you know, the judge, maybe he framed Roger Rabbit. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, guys, listen, thanks so much for listening to the show. We appreciate it. Um, we will be back next week with Roger Rabbit. But until then, Sean, got anything to tell the people before we head out? Yeah, actually, you also to tell you as well, um, you know, even though you don't have to wear a mask anymore here in America. Um, if you're not sure, put, I, I wore it in, I wore it in an airplane. It was hot as hell in that airplane, by the way, my face probably got like sunburned because like it was red and yeah. I felt like Homer Simpson's face area. <laughs> it was a different color than my, the rest of my face when I took my mask off, but you know, be, be careful yeah. because it's all avoidable for sure. All right, guys, till then we'll see you. Remember it's now time to not forget to, it's, it's time to see you later, put it on your calendar write it on a notepad you're going to want to unsilence your phones peace out